0: Brunswick story, and this is a lesser known Canadian serial killer. Um, I feel like because you also listen to podcasts and are heavily interested in true crime, like myself, you've probably heard of him. But it's Alan Legere. Oh, yeah, then
1: he sounds familiar.
0: Also referred to as the monster of the Miramichi. So, I know he's, like, one of the lesser-known, like, the you only really hear about Paul Bernardo, and then sometimes you hear about Picton. Um, he is a pretty nasty dude, so I'm not sure why, like, he's not heard about as much. Yeah. I know... I'm he's, sh- like,
1: a rapist and an arsonist and a serial
0: killer. Like, yeah. he's a kind of... Victory. I think... I, I'm i sure Dark Poutine's done, done an episode on him. I know Crime Junkie has, too, which is... The only American podcast I know of covering him, but I didn't really heavily look into it. But, anyways, so I'll uh, just give you a, a quick, short little background on him. So, he was born in Chatham Head, New Brunswick, on February 13th, 1948. Their 18th and 19th episodes were about Alan leisure Dark Poutine. Yeah, so he worked in. In the nineteen seventies he worked as a car salesman in the town of Winchester, south of Ottawa, and lived in a farmhouse in Inkerman. He was referred to as a gentleman and described as being friendly on the street. He liked to paint and draw, and his former former parole officer referred to him as quote, as a quote deep thinker. Oh, yeah. Fowler. And the reason he is... There's a lot of thought that goes into murder, okay? I mean, yeah, you gotta plan it. (laughs) And the reason... The reason he is called the Monster of the Miramichi is in reference to the area where a lot of his attacks were along the Miramichi River. Hmm. So, on... Either June 21st or June 22nd. I Something said 21st, something 22nd, so I assume it was probably, like, early morning hours of the 22nd, and that's why it's conflicting. In 1986, Legere, who was then 38, robbed a convenience store in Black River Bridge, New Brunswick, accompanied by ton, Todd Matchett, who was 21, and Scott Curtis, who was 23. They cut the power before breaking into the store. They severely beat an elderly couple, John, who was 66, and Mary Glend- Glendening. And for some reason, I couldn't find her age, only his. They were both beaten, and Mary was sexually assaulted. The trio... Nothing. Hmm? Nothing? Just...
1: Okay, and it's into assaulting old ladies. Yeah. Good well,
0: view. I mean, that just proves that it's not about sex.
1: Yeah.
0: The trio fled- not about age
1: or what they look like. Yeah.
0: It's like, ooh, woman. The trio fled, leaving the couple to die. Mary regained consciousness with her head in a toilet and a scarf around her neck, and crawled up the stairs to call 911. Oh, honey. John did succumb to his injuries, but Mary survived. Yes, survived. There were pools of blood, and blood smeared on the walls and the floors. Oh. Oh, that poor girl. I know. There were... (laughs) Poor girl, but, like, poor woman. The men had taken a total of $45,000 but actually missed $3,400 that was just hanging out in a bag in the basement because they didn't go to the basement. And Legere dumped his blood-stained portion of the money on his girlfriend's bed in an attempt to brag to her about it. And he told her their future was set and that he did not participate in the murder. Police quickly <laughs> tracked down. That's
1: good. I the Hey, being able to get this bloody bag I got you.
0: <laughs> Don't forget the money. That's the big part. It's all about money, apparently. It's got money in it. Police quickly tracked all three of them down and arrested them. Matchett pled guilty, but Legere and Curtis did not and went to trial. Mary testified against them, so. Bad bitch, made it to court mm. in, on January 22nd, 1988 What? I said, she said, you ain't gonna take me now. I think there's a delay.
1: Yeah, it's probably my internet.
0: Okay. Um. i just, like, keep going. <laughs> do you want to see if... The other night I was recording with Heropop. On January 22nd, 1987, Legere was convicted of second-degree murder and sentenced to life without the possibility of parole for 18 years. Legere was to serve his sentence under the responsibility of the Correctional Service of Canada, CSC, at the Atlantic Institution Maximum Security Penitentiary in Reynolds Quarryville, Where's that? Northumberland County, New Brunswick. Ah, okay. Sorry, New Brunswick. You know absolutely nothing about you. (laughs) On August 8th, he lost his appeal to reverse his murder conviction before the New Brunswick Court of Appeal. So, shocker. Like, of course he lost that. I did not
1: have murder relations with
0: that woman. (laughs) Murder relations. February 20th, 1989, C. David Hudge represented Legere in his appeal before the Supreme Court of Canada. Oh, going all the way. But before any of that could happen, on May 3rd, 1989, Legere was transported to the Dr. George L. DeMont Regional Hospital in Moncton, New Brunswick for treatment for an ear infection. He convinced the CSC personnel to let him use the washroom alone, where he picked his handcuffs Um. with a sharpened piece of TV antenna he had hidden on his person. Oh, no. When I read that, that was when I recognized the story, because I had started reading and I thought it sounded familiar, and as soon as I read that part, I knew I had heard episodes about it before. So he also used this sharpened antenna to hold the officers at bay, so threatened them with it. I know <laughs> he then escaped by carjacking and then motor vehicle threat. So I have the definition of those two because as i when I was researching this, I wasn't really sure what the difference was so carjacking quote is usually in the presence and knowledge of the victim end quote so it's when someone's sitting in their car and you jump in and kick them out. Say, so, yeah, get out of the car. Yeah. Yeah. Grand theft auto stuff. Motor vehicle theft is, quote, the criminal act of stealing or attempting to steal a motor, fo- motor vehicle, end quote. So, the person's not there. Basically, it's the difference. They're both stealing a car, carjacking, yeah. victim's there, motor, motor vehicle theft, yeah. victim's not. Victim's yeah. there. Legere jumped in Margaret Olive's car and threatened her with a sharpened screwdriver, and he forced her to drive 10 minutes before releasing her unharmed. So that was the uh, carjacking to get away from the hospital.
1: What? That was polite of him.
0: (laughs) And that was the carjacking to get away from the hospital. um, And obviously shortly after a... Countrywide manhunt began. Ooh, it's a manhunt. When was this? Eighty-nine.
1: Hmm. I wonder if my parents remember. Like, you know, they were alive. Yeah. Or A couple. I wonder if they were like, oh yeah, the serial killer. If they're just like, huh oh, what?
0: Yeah, if they watch if they watch the news, they probably heard about it on the news. I'm sure my grandmother probably remembers because all she does is watch the news. <laughs> so on May yeah. 29th, same year, so 25 days. No, I wrote 25 years. It was not 25 years. That's for sure. So May 29th, 1989. Several days after his escape, he beat 75-year-old shopkeeper Annie Flan to death in her Chatham home. Her sister, who's 61, Nina, is also beaten, sexually assaulted, bound, and burned. And they <clears throat> lived in an apartment above... The grocery store that Annie had owned and operated for over 50 years. And. Wow. Yeah. As he left, he set the apartment on fire. Oh, come on, dude. Overkill much? I know, right? But wait. Nina survives. She is found alive at the bottom of the stairs. So that's good. Was she? She was set on fire, though, right? So she, she was, was burned. She wasn't directly okay. set on fire, but she did suffer burns. And he that's... very quickly became a suspect because it was very similar to his previous crime, of course. On October first, same year, the Supreme Court of Canada stated that it does not issue rulings when the accused is unlawfully at large. So. His appeal that went to the Supreme Court, they were like, yeah, we can't really say anything about it because y'all don't know where he is. (laughs) (laughs) On October 13th, sisters Donna, 45, and Linda, 41, Donnie are sexually assaulted and beaten in their home. Legere sets their home on fire as well before leaving. Donna died from her injuries, Linda died from a combination of her injuries and smoke inhalation, so she was not dead by the time the fire got going. And Linda actually knew Legere from their health club and had once previously rejected him. Oh,
1: okay, so he was like, I'm gonna get a little personal this time.
0: Yep. Um actually give me 1 second. We we're talking about uh fragile masculinity. That's right. And uh how dangerous it is to say no. So at this time after this murder, they pretty much were like it's this guy. I mean, he didn't go very far away. <laughs> so they started doing regular patrols of very small towns looking for them, for him, sorry. And they actually missed him by one night. I'm just going to start over. On November 16th, 1989, Roman Catholic priest James Smith, who was 69, was found in the rectory of his church by his parishioners at the church Nativity of the Blessed Virgin Mary Church in Chatham Head.
1: Okay.
0: I know. Which church do you go to? Nativity of the Blessed Virgin. There's a... (laughs) there's an elementary school here called immaculate conception oh i mm. can you imagine i'm pretty sure there's
1: i'm pretty sure there's a couple called like similar like immaculate something and it's like why
0: yeah somebody i forget who i was with but i was with someone and we drove by and i was like can you fucking imagine like your kid asking you what it means and they asked me what it even meant and i was like i don't know i guess just how Jesus was conceived without boning. <laughs> like, how do you explain that? And then, then
1: okay. I'm. I remember seeing a video. It's like, it's like a little girl and her mom's like cooking, and she's like, Mommy, what's a veg?"
0: I have not. That's hilarious. Oh my god, I
1: to find it. But her mom goes, and she's like, oh, "Well, my mommy and daddy want to make a baby," and she goes on, and she's like. She's like and then daddy gets really excited and then his his little friend just poof, poof all inside the mummy. And before that happens, you're a virgin. She's like, oh Well then what's extra virgin?
0: Oh no <laughs> She was talking about olive oil? Fuck Also like you totally just could have explained that by saying someone who's never made a baby, like Right. You don't have to explain sperm. Hey. <laughs> Just say no one who's ever tried to make a baby. It's not fucking hard. And then if the kid asks, well, how do they do that? Then okay, but like anyways, back to this murder of this priest. Um I found
1: the
0: video. Okay, sorry, go on. Legier had stabbed Father Smith several times and broken 13 of his ribs. He had also tried to break into the vault, but he failed and bailed and left his tools behind. And he had previously had a run-in with Father Smith, but guess how long ago it was? When he was a baby? Like 13 fucking years ago. It was in 1976. Jeez, dude. Man holds grudges. Apparently. (laughs) Yeah. On November 24th, while running from the RCMP, Legier stole cars and a tractor trailer. And as as he's like physically driving away and multiple vehicles start crashing, he gave up and hopped out of the tractor trailer and yelled, quote, "It's not me, don't shoot," end quote, before laying on the <laughs> ground.
1: "It's not me. Don't shoot." It's, it's that guy over there.
0: <laughs> I, I, I'm just running away and stealing all these vehicles because I felt like a party. He was arrested, obviously, and then later complained he was kicked by an officer during the arrest. Which, like, sucks fucking suck, I don't care.
1: Bruh, crime to 2021, that's like politeness from a cop. <laughs>
0: Also, like, you killed a shit ton of people, so I don't really care. Yeah, that too. <laughs> Members of the public drove by the police station where Legere was being held, honking and cheering, and a local <laughs> hospital even bought and brought the department coffee and donuts as a thank you.
1: Hey, you kitchen! Thanks! <laughs> Can I get a kickin' too? <laughs> Pe- Where's the 95-year-old grandma on chemo? Can she kick him? Hold him down.
0: <laughs> Police continued helico- helicopter searches because they believed he had an accomplice. They were specifically looking for a young man in a green jacket, but they later found out it was actually Legere himself, and he had lost 30 to 40 pounds while on the run, so he looked different. So that's why there have been reports of it being someone helping him, I guess. Mm. So, on to his trial. It... Okay, sorry. I just got confused by the way I worded things. I keep doing this. Like, earlier today, I was recording with my friend Victoria, and the way I worded something was just really fucking weird and I didn't understand what I was trying to say and had to just figure it out. Because sometimes, like, I'll write it, like, because I'm so used to writing papers, I'll write things so formally and then it doesn't make sense in this conversational setting. So then I have to figure it out. But anyways. Yeah. August 14th, 1990, several jurors are dismissed because they admit to being afraid of Legere. One man said, "Frankly, I'm nervous. I don't like retaliation, and I don't like to have that responsibility." They ended up with eight female and four male jurors. August seventeenth, Legere is sentenced to nine years for common assault, kidnapping, and escaping custody. November. It's just
1: assault. Like, calm down. Like. We lightly set him on fire. Like it's what everyone does.
0: No, the common. I don't. The common assault would have been for threatening the uh, corrections officers with the uh, antenna and for holding the lady at um, screwdriver point. And the kidnapping. (laughs) And the kidnapping would have been for making her drive him around too, because that counts as kidnapping. (laughs) This is not for. The murders, this, that trial was just for, um, the charges, the crimes he committed while escaping. Gotcha. November 20th, while awaiting trial, Legere nearly convinced Caroline Norwood, a news reporter, to leave her husband of 30 years to be with him, but her husband intervened. Which, I just find fucking hilarious. <laughs> like, What? I just thought it was an interesting enough fact to include, even though it really has nothing to do with anything. (laughs) And in November, he is charged with four counts of first-degree murder. So now we're getting to the murders. On December 6th, 1990, an indictment containing the four murder charges is filed with the Queen's Bench in Newcastle, which is now known as the Mirror Machine and it is transferred to the Burton Courthouse. February 5th, 1991, before his pre-trial, Legere announced his engagement to Norwood was back on. Pre-trial begins and Norwood and Legere's mother attended. His mother actually threatened to assault reporters as she left after the first day because they were hounding her with questions, which honestly can't blame her for, like, that's something that's not talked about enough is the Perp's family. Like, they are victims, too. This is would have been really hard for her, too, in a different way, but still. She has to cope with the fact that her son is, she raised someone capable of this. On May 24th, the book Terror, Murder, and Panic in New Brunswick is banned by the New... New Brunswick Court of Appeal, because it felt that the book was leading readers to believe Legere is guilty, which it- He what? Yes, but he, as a Canadian citizen, has the right to a fair trial, so they didn't <clears throat> want to risk that affecting the trial. June 7th. Pretrial hearings end and they determine that DNA evidence is admissible. So this is in the early days of DNA. August 26th, jury selection begins with 500 individuals summoned. 311 were exempt for various reasons and 32 were excused from attending the selection ceremony. Two days later, on August 28th, Legere's pre-trial begins with a jury of six women and five men at the Burton Courthouse. Here's a point that'll amuse you. In November, he went on a hunger strike because he didn't think he was getting enough attention. <coughs> <laughs> Sounds like something your cats would do. Honestly, though, I can see it. I feed me! You're not giving me enough food. I'm going to, I'm going to hunger strike. <laughs> on November 3rd, Legere is convicted of all four murder, charge, murder charges. Justice David Dixon said, quote, I don't normally comment on verdicts, but let me say this. Don't lose too much sleep over your verdict, end quote, which I think he meant. I, did, I do remember checking this quote because it didn't seem right, but I think he meant he's not going to lose sleep over his verdict. And Justice Dixon accidentally called Legere Mr. Seaman. And on November 5th, he is sentenced to four co-current counts of life in prison without the possibility of parole for 25 years. So, um, next I have some... Just kind of other facts and some post trial stuff that happened. So, community members later recalled opening their doors with guns in hand and sleeping with guns under their pillows and installing lights around their properties that would light up their yards at night, which many kept after. And the guns thing just feels like, at first it's kind of like, well, yeah, but then you think about it like it's Canada that's not a common thing here, especially in Little New Brunswick.
1: Well, how many years ago was it again? It was the 80s, right? 90... Uh.
0: 91 at this point. Well, 89. He's captured in 89. Oh, the gun laws probably weren't as no i know but but still like it's just not something you hear about much happening here yeah i know definitely like i see where
1: you're coming from but that just yeah it goes to show how much fear he
0: was like he had over the community exactly because it's not a typical thing like in the states most like lots of families have guns in their homes but in canada not really And also keep in mind, like, guns can be itty-bitty, tiny, cute,
1: little, oh, what's that? things. It's not (laughs) like they had, like, friggin' rifles, probably. And also, 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 New Brunswick is probably, at least back in the 90s, was probably very much hunting.
0: Yeah, that's true, quite rural.
1: So they probably, yeah, probably had rifles under their, in their houses, too. Yeah. Not, maybe not necessarily under the pillows. I feel like it would be very uncomfortable, but it definitely was different. It's a different time, <laughs>
0: but and a different and, area than what we're used
1: to. Yeah, different time, a different area. We can't imagine that being like in the GHA or in the GTA and Peterborough. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could
0: probably imagine it in Peterborough because Peterborough's a little hickish, but. Yeah, but our, like, our laws these days, they have to be locked away and safe. Yeah. They have to be registered and they're hard to get and they can be locked away. But anyways, we're not here to talk about gun laws right now. Yeah, let's not get into that. But yeah. I'm sure one day. Different time. Yeah. Different area. Anyways, um, within days of being found guilty, authorities applied to transfer him because they felt he was too familiar with the prison and surrounding area, which was an escape risk. So, they wanted to move him so he didn't escape again. Many people refused to talk about the case in public because they were afraid of his supporters and friends, which is interesting. Just like... I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. That there were. Sorry, hold on. Yeah.
1: Sure. You know, I find interesting too. I mean, I guess with every serial killer, there's always fanatics who are in love with them or whatever. Yeah. Well, and And, you know nowadays when there's the there's always those who are strongly in support of something. (laughs) ABC. (laughs) And you don't wanna. (laughs) talk about around them because they're kind of lunatics
0: yeah well and like i said at the beginning a lot of people considered him to be a really nice and polite guy yeah exactly so he was kind of like a ted
1: bundy of canada then but not as maybe not the on um, the attraction
0: part but yeah um everyone's somebody's type though <laughs> yeah November 13th, in 1991, he files his first appeal, which is standard that everyone appeals. On December 13th, unconfirmed sources claim Legere is planning another escape. And he is flown to Montreal from the Miramichi Airport where he is transferred to a special handling unit. So they're not even going to take the chance. On March second, nineteen ninety-two, the federal government announced that the RCMP manhunt of Legier cost more than hundred and ten thousand dollars, plus three hundred and fourteen thousand sorry, yeah, three hundred and fourteen thousand for security at the courthouse where his trial was, and sixty-three thousand dollars for DNA analysis. Okay. Oh, sorry, I'm just scrolling. Um, in 1996, the provincial jail in Fredericton, New Brunswick, is shut down and no longer used as a jail. In 1999, the building was turned into a science museum, and the cell Legere was held in is now an exhibit on DNA profiling, which I think is really friggin' cool. Girl, they.
1: Go into
0: NB <laughs> In twenty fifteen, Legier was transferred from the Super Maximum Security Penitentiary in Saint Anne de Plains, Quebec, to the Edmonton Institute in Alberta. On August what? what? Wait, from where to where? He was just sent from one prison in Quebec to one in Alberta. They just moved him.
1: It's a very far jump, but I guess there aren't that many max
0: yeah. prisons. Okay. Yeah, and I didn't see like a reason for this move. They just moved them. In August 2020, Legere applied for day parole, and the request obviously raised concerns to in the Miramichi community. On January 13th, 2021... had a parole hearing that lasted nearly four hours (laughs) he was obviously denied and the parole parole board member Delaney Dew said quote your risk is not manageable the victim harm is still felt to this day and you have a number of outstanding issues at this point you do remain an untreated sexual offender and violent offender end quote His parole officer, Mercedes Garcia, said that his participation in rehabilitation programs has not translated to responsibility, and and his case management team did not support giving him full or even day parole. So, even the people who are supposed to be fighting on his side don't think it's a good idea. (laughs)
1: It's like, just keep him him away, just, yeah.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And Legere often took 10 to 15 minutes to answer a simple yes or no question. So, he really loves that attention. And, of course, he said he does not consider himself a violent person or a sex offender. Which is like... Oh my God. Like, you're not going to get parole if you're not honest. Like, come on. At least be honest, because it's not going to happen otherwise. I mean, he's not going to get I it anyways. I
1: did nothing wrong. No, set me free.
0: Yeah. He's not going to get it anyways, but one of the big things, if you if you never accept guilt, if you never accept that you did it wrong and admit you did something um, wrong, they're not going to let you out, because then you're going to seem like you're a psychopath. Holy crap. What?
1: Sorry, I'm just I just got a news... A baby in Waterloo, in, Welles, in Wellesley, I don't know where that is, has been found dead, and the father's been charged with first-degree murder. Fuck off. <sighs> a one-year-old called to residence on Powell Road at 9 a.m. for a disturbance
0: I don't even, I don't know what to say. Well, there are many things I can say that could, I could go on for a long time, but this is why we need Amber Alerts, even when it's the parent that's taking them, because that's one of the arguments I've heard so many fucking times. It's like, well, if it's just her father, why are we getting an Amber Alert? Because this shit happens. It was at their
1: residence, too. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, like,
0: I know there was an ambulance, but I'm just saying, like... Yeah. Oh, oh. Poor
1: baby. Poor mom.
0: Yeah. And any other sibling, any other kids that might have been there or family living there? God. I'm sure we'll find out more over the next week or so, or month. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess to go back to this horrible story from that horrible story... <laughs> go on. Parole board member Amy Agar said the information in his file speaks to more deaths and violence so he's, than he's been convicted of. So Amy thinks he's killed more people than he has been convicted of. Um, And hopefully if that is the case, we do find out at some point, but as far as I know... I don't think anything's been looked in, I don't think any more have been looked into as him potentially being the person. And, I mean, he did, like, they figured out it was him pretty quickly every time. Like, his first one, his supposed first one, he was caught pretty quickly. I'm sure that um, robbery and murder and all wasn't his first violent offense but it could have been his first murder but he could have like done some arson or assault or sexual assault before then and it just wasn't murder yet but we might never know because he doesn't seem like the type to talk and so um it is also been said that his uh the information in his file points towards obsessive-compulsive personality disorder, narcissistic disorder, and antisocial disorder. And he scores high on the psychopathy checklist, which is connected to high rates... Which was
1: invented by a
0: Canadian! Ow, ow! <laughs> Can I go on? Which is connected to high rates of recidivism. And... Yeah, sure. And as I said, yeah, as I said, with him not seeming like a talker, this is why I said that. He continues to deny two out of four of the killing, two out of four of the victims after he escaped initial custody, and blames an unnamed accomplice. So he's saying someone else did it, but he won't say who the someone else is or anything about them.
1: (laughs) It wasn't me. Okay, we can let you go if you just give us the names. No
0: okay then you're staying here but it wasn't me then tell us who no literally he said quote I was found guilty but they don't have it right end quote so he admits to killing two of them but yeah I don't know which two either he also said to add to the narcissism part he doesn't understand why the families of his victims can't forgive him or forget what he did just like, forget it, man. Like, life is just like... And he remains in prison in Edmonton, Alberta to this day. And my sources for that one were Wikipedia, Murderpedia, CBC, Global News, and this new website I found called Serial Serial Dispatches. Dispatches. So yeah, that's um. all about that terrible person. Mm. terrible people be terrible peopling thank you for listening to this week's episode of disturbed minds please like and subscribe wherever you listen and don't forget to follow the show on instagram for show details and more at disturbed minds pod that's d-i-s-t-u-r-b-e-d-m-i-n-d-s-p-o-d